before we dive into this episode, if you want to build a killer plan that will deliver business success in 2022 and solid growth over the next three years, then check out the Growth Strategy Program on fionafitzconsulting.com, then click Online Courses. The next cohort starts September 14th and places are filling up fast. There's an early bird discount available, so don't delay in registering your interest today. Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes, the podcast that explores how insurgent brands in consumer goods categories are driving transformational growth. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. Bio and Me is an upcoming insurgent brand challenging the big food brands in the cereal and yogurt categories. Founded by the gut health doctor, Dr. Megan Rossi, and my old Nestle buddy and food industry lifer, John Walsh, Bio and Me offers consumers a range of granolas, porridges, mueslis, and yogurt all of which are allowed to carry the claim, good for your gut. In this episode, Dr. Megan and John tell us why Megan started Bio and Me instead of working with some well-known big brand companies, the science behind why Bio and Me products were the first to be allowed to say that they're good for your gut, how business is going and where it's going to next. Dr. Megan Rossi, John Watt, welcome to Brand Growth Heroes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where are you guys calling in from? Megan. I'm in London, Crouch End in particular. Crouch End, very cool. And John, where are you? I am in the buzzing metropolis of Chester in the good old northwest of England. Woohoo! So you guys are the co-founders of Bio and Me, fabulous new brand that is taking supermarkets and online by storm at the moment, and it's all about gut health. Megan, do you want to start by telling us about the brand and how you came up with the idea and how you met John? And then maybe, John, you can butt in and tell us some of your story too. Well, I'm going to bore you with a bit more of my life story. So, you know, I grew up on a farm in Australia where good gut health was very much inherent to that bringing it, playing in the dirt, eating fresh fruit and veg and all that sort of stuff. But actually my first conscious encounter with the gut was um, sadly not a positive one. I was in my final year studying nutrition and dietetics back in Australia and I lost my grandma to bowel cancer. And my grandma had a really you know, big part in my upbringing. So I essentially hated the gut initially for putting her through the chemo, the surgery, and then later taking her life. Um, and then you know, I guess I somewhat suppressed those you know, thoughts around the gut and started working as a dietitian, both in the hospital setting and also with some um, athletes. And what I found really striking is that they're all coming to me complaining of the gut. And I thought, God, wasn't it about this bloody organ? Like, yes, I got my grandma had had the bowel cancer, she had, you know, the disease in her gut. But why are people, you know, who are elite athletes, the Australian Olympic synchronized swimming team, you know, why are they all having issues? Why are people with mental health issues having, you know, gut concerns? And it was 2010, so not a whole lot of research had been done at that time. And I thought to myself, you know what, I ought to my patients, my grandma, to find out more about this kind of somewhat misunderstood organ and that's when I delved into doing a PhD trying to look at whether we nourish the gut through the right nutrition whether that can improve the health of other organs like our mental health and our kidney health and things like that and it was that PhD that changed everything for me you know my my opinion of the gut you know completely flipped you know it wasn't something that I should hate and be feared actually it was just really misunderstood and it had so much power and potential if we just understood how to look after it we could maximize, you know, so many elements 
aspects of our health, not just, you know, managing diseases, but actually, you know, supporting things like our athletic outcomes and all of that sort of stuff. So at the end of the PhD, I was like, this, this is it for me. This is where I'm going to really have my mark in the world. How I can help people is via the gut. So I decided to move over to London to work at King's College um, to as, you know, continuing on for my research there. But about a year into being here, I just, I think I just started getting frustrated that, you know, despite the amazing research that was being done, not just by my research group, but groups all over the world, it just wasn't being translated into food industry and, and to the general public. Like I was still seeing um, patients privately and I was you know, seeing them follow such crazy diets and they were following these because they'd read on Dr. Google that it was good for their gut. So before my eyes, I was seeing the organ that I fell in love with and I saw had so much power and potential literally, you know, being so misrepresented. Um, so that's when I thought, look, how can I, you know, do something more? You know, I'm a, I'm a scientist. What what avenue can I go down? And, you know, apparently social media is the way people do that. Um, and I certainly, you know, personally am not a social media person. It was really outside my comfort zone to start doing it. But I decided one day that if I could help, you know, 100 people on, on social media, I'd be doing a lot more than, than what I was currently doing in clinic, you know, with the one-on-one. So I set up the gut health doctor on social media and, honestly was blown away by the interest um, in terms of, you know, some really big names like Jamie Oliver just started following me one day and I was like, this isn't a real, this is a fake account. Um, And then just so many other people and just through word of mouth, I was just blown away by how much interest people had in trying to, in really wanting to know the facts around gut health. Um, From that, so many things have come from. So how did you end up starting the brand then? Yeah, with bio and me. So I, I mean, as a dietitian, I, you know, know that information is part of it. And that's kind of what the, the social media was. But you know what? We all live very busy lives. And if people don't have convenience foods available for them, no matter what I say to them in clinic or on social media, they're not going to be able to translate that. So I knew food industry was really an important area to tackle. But, you know, again, through social media, I thought I had some really great opportunities with some of the big guys. They'd approached me about, you know, working with them on their gut health, you know, cereal ranges. And I was like, oh, my God, this is how I'm going to have this impact. But sadly, the more I got into negotiations, it became um, quite clear they really just wanted me to brand slap. And, you know, I knew I couldn't look my followers in the eyes who'd given me this amazing opportunity and say this is good for the gut when it's not. So a few, a few uh, of those sorts of things came and went and I was like, you know what, if I'm ever going to get into food industry, I'm going to have to do it on my own bat. Uh, but obviously doing some self-reflection, I knew that I was a scientist, had you know zero business skills, had no idea of how to get into grocery. Um, but you know, the back of my mind, uh, a couple of years prior to that, I remember meeting John uh, through another project that I, I was working on. And he just struck me as someone who had all of those businessy skills, which uh, I knew that I didn't have, uh, that I needed to have. And, and I don't like giving John many compliments, um, <laughs> but I will give him that. He always <laughs> stuck in my mind. So I reached out to him. We met up at Food Matters Live 2018 and, and the rest is history. So, John, where is the brand? Before we talk about your story, it's really important to give our listeners an understanding of what the brand is now, what it looks like, where they can find it. So that then when you tell us how you came to be, they know what we're talking about, really. Well, I've put a few subtle packs behind me, but um, but here's here's another one just so people can see. I um, If I start with the name, and this kind of 
tells my journey of education. It's one of the nice things since meeting Megan is, you know, I knew nothing about gut health beforehand. So I've, you know, I've been learning for the last two years. So our name, Bio and Me, comes from the word the gut microbiome, which, Megan, is the three trillion um, bacteria in your tummy. Is that right? Yeah, about 40 trillion, John. He's still learning, as you can tell. Yeah, the trillions of microorganisms which lives in everyone's digestive tract. I'll give myself seven out of 10 for listening skills. <laughs> so, um, so and what our beautiful um, design agency spotted is the biome, as people always short to, can be divided into bio and me. And what we discovered was for people who know about gut health, so for Megan's 300,000 followers, they get it straight away and they feel that little bit clever that they know what it's about. And um, that whole pass it on social currency thing, we see on the internet quite a lot and we love that. For most normal people, um, as in myself two years ago, um, I think it just says, look, this is healthy and for you. And it's enough to intrigue people into the brand. They then see the, the key phrase created by the gut health doctor. So Megan, uh, read a little bit about her story. Uh, and that is enough to convince people as to why we're the best for, for gut health. Now, we haven't said what it is, though. We haven't said what it is. So you've got to imagine that a lot of people are listening to this rather than watching it. But do check out our YouTube channel so that you can watch Dr. Megan and John Walsh live. But what categories do you sit in? You mean we don't have 100% brand awareness just yet, Fiona? <laughs> not just yet, John. Not just yet. We started off, I put it really close. You can see that here with granolas. So do a range of five granolas. We then, look at me all prepared, did our porridges. Um, and now, in a bit of a key move for us, we've gone into our yogurts. Yay! And maybe Megan will explain in a minute, but Megan's kind of got two key product strategies. One all about plant-based diversity. So granolas and porridges do that beautifully. And the other is all about live cultures, which is where, where yogurts are. And Fiona, as you know from your Nestle background, etc., the two categories behave so differently. And it's so nice to be in the two different kind of breakfast cereal versus the sort of the joy of the yogurt category. It's, it's lovely to be in both. Are you the first brand that's sitting in both categories? Ah, there's a question. I think The first so. gut health exclusive brand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Answers on a postcard for many of your listeners, but I think we are, yeah, yeah. John, how did you get to the point where you were the person that Dr. Megan said, wow, he knows a lot about shit. Oh, <laughs> and I still got her fooled, uh, Fiona. So don't, uh, don't, don't let my guard down. I mean, you know, I, I, was, I was in food and drink for, I don't know, maybe 25 years. And, and you and I, when we chatted in Nestle, we used to watch these amazing, beautiful, brilliant brands come through. But I think we were kind of at the, the start of the innocent, the goose where you were, the Charlie Biggins, just, amazing brands and I'll, I'll be honest I, you know, I love my time at Nestle but I I used to look on enviously with why 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 aren't I doing that why you know why didn't I have that idea kind of thing and of my many excuses for not being brave enough to do it one of which was I didn't have the idea and what I loved aged 48 when I was working in a dairy Meadow Foods so brilliant at what they do I I met somebody who had the idea. So after I left Meadows, Megan and I met up for our coffee and she was trying to pitch me on, you know, why we should launch our own company. Nobody else would do gut health products well enough, et cetera. And I spent the coffee telling her how difficult it was to do your own company and don't be crazy. I just, I walked away from that 
saying to myself, aged 48, John, you've met the person with the idea. You know, if you are ever going to be brave. It's now. Now is the time to do it. All your excuses, you've got no more excuses anymore. You know, we, we went over to America to have a look at the, the market there. And, you know, gut health was, was just really accelerating. And not every trend starts in America, but quite a lot do. And, you know, that gave us confidence in where this was going. But, yeah, I just... I gave myself a bit of a talking to you, and I was like, "Look, you know, if we're gonna, if, we're, if you're gonna roll the dice, now is the time to do it." But to be fair to you, John, I think you're probably being a bit hard on yourself there because just disclaimer here for anyone listening: I've known John since I was 22. I think you 22. Oh my gosh. I think I was about 22 when you joined us. John came from P&G when we all heard that this guy from Procter and Gamble was coming in, and he'd been solely responsible for the launch of this amazing brand. You're talking about Sunny Delight. Yeah, it was Sunny Delight, which is a really not a great gut health brand, um, but does make you orange. Maybe that's what happened along the way, John. But let's be clear. Bio and me is my way of saying I'm sorry about Sunny Delight. <laughs> but we were all like the graduates in Nestle. We were like, well, you know, the P&G guys leaving P&G to come to Nestle because nobody left P&G. You just didn't do it. And he came in and he came in with this fanfare and it was like, John Walsh is here. And everybody just kind of like bowed. I'm so embarrassed. Please tell me I wasn't behaving like that. No, 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 you weren't. But it was just because you were really bloody good. You were really good at what you did. Oh. Did you get given Nesquik or Impulse Coffee? Impulse Coffee, was it? Your first gig? Uh, Well, do you remember it was going to be an RTG drink or Hot When You Want? Hot When You Want with the button. Except it wasn't. It wasn't Hot When You Want. Warm if you're lucky, I think. Warm if you're um, lucky. (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking about that drink. There was a button that you had to press the bottom of the can and it was supposed to be to keep you warm. That's right. And it self-heated the coffee can. Yeah. Anyway, that was a disaster, wasn't it? But anyway, just to finish here, John came into Nestle and then blah, 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 did loads of big jobs and then ended up as marketing director of Nestle UK and then ended up as marketing director of the entire of Nestle, of all of the Nestle businesses. Like we're talking water, cereals, coffee, chocolate, you name it. He sat on the board with the chairman. That's how big he was. And then he was my boss during that time. And the point I was going to make was you're being hard on yourself because you're saying that you never had the idea. But to be fair, you were being given all the time. You're giving me all these sexy projects that Nestle wanted to make happen. Like they would give you this project and say, here, go off and do this special project to make us the next goo or make us the next innocent. And you'd work on that for two years. And then, of course, because Nestle wasn't able to deliver it, it was the next project. So you were always on that track in that kind of entrepreneurial sense. And that's how we met, because I ended up working for you on the New Ventures, Nestle New Ventures project. So first of all, it's incredibly nice for you to say what you've, what you've said. Well, it's true. I suppose if there is a linking thought to us here, it's I think big companies have actually really, the 20 years we've been there, you know, have worked out what they're good at, you know, how they can grow their brands, how they can do renovation, et cetera. But the, in all honesty, true innovation very rarely comes from inside big companies. And actually this whole like um, corporate venturing, supporting startup brands, I wish that had been going on when we were there because it's just the right way. We can, you know, we can be more focused. We can be more nimble because we're small, you know, and they're brilliant at what they do and hopefully we'll be brilliant at what we do. And then, you know, maybe someday we'll meet. Absolutely. I think it's, it's a better way for the world to work than it was 20 years ago. So, okay, so you got there in the end, you were brave enough to jump. And uh, because I was going to say, you ended up marketing director for John West, which is a 300 million quid That's right. business That's right, in yeah. the UK and 2 billion across Europe, which is pretty massive. And now you're in a startup. What's it like to be in a small food startup for the first time in your life after 25 years? 
I feel like I should apologize to all my previous bosses for not working anywhere near hard enough. I mean, I, I think I've learned what hard work is, is really all about. And that lovely conversation used to go on in big companies about strategy versus execution. Oh my gosh. You know, I've really learned it's just about execution, 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 the best idea. It's just an idea. You know, I, but if I pay Megan a compliment, you know, she knows about gut health, but she also knew from day one of if we just made a ridiculously expensive, you know, we, we could make th th these retail at £3.70, right? We could do a recipe that was six or seven quid. I would sell, you know, one a week or whatever. There's just, we're not helping the nation's gut health by doing that. You know, you, you need to be a real thing at a real price that's on shelf selling. The detail that takes, my God, Fiona, I, you probably, I guess, learned to goo, et cetera. It's just so hard. I had no idea. Um, how, how difficult it is to get things done. But can I just pick you up on something? Just one thing there, because I don't want our listeners to go out with the wrong idea here. Good execution can only happen if you've got a really, really, really clear set of decisions made. And those decisions are being made around who you're targeting, what your insight is, what the messaging is, what behaviour you want them to change and how you're going to get them to change their behaviour. And that set of decisions is strategy, right? You can only execute excellently. You can only get the right packaging. You can only choose the right marketing activities if you've made that clear set of decisions. Isn't that right? A thousand percent. And I I think what, I'm, I'm going to use us as the example, which I know is a bit self-serving, but what I love about us is we have a single-minded proposition. You know, we are created by the gut health doctor. And and I, 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 I want this to come out the right way because, you know, some of the, the mainstream brands are brilliant at what they do, right? But when you and I were selling those, Daniel, we could never go out and say we were the best. You know, I, I know because Megan has designed it. I can be proud of this because Megan's designed it. This is the best product for your gut health in the, in our category. Um, and, and being able to go to the retailers to talk to consumers and say that is so nice. It is so empowering. So let's use that as a great segue to go back to Megan. Megan, tell us about the products then. What is it about the way you've put these products together that allows them to deliver against the gut health promise? Yeah. So our first one where we had the gut loving granolas, the real, I guess, the science element came from some research which showed that people have more different types of plants in their diet, have better gut health than those who eat the same um, plant on repeat. In fact, they show that people who have 30 different types of plants. And I'm not just talking about fruit and veg, I'm talking about your whole grains, your nuts and seeds, your beans and your pulses. So all of the different plant-based food groups, getting in that diversity made people have better gut health than if they just continuously eating the same types. Um, so what we made uh, a granola with 15 different types of plants in each and every bowl. And is that different to many granolas on the market? Yeah, absolutely. So I was very uh, lucky to be on the judging panel for the Women's Health Awards, um, looking at all the different food products. And that's where I was got the idea of like the biggest gap in the market is the cereal aisle because the vast majority of the, the cereal aisles, they might have five or six different types of plants um, in each and every box, but we're delivering 15 different types. And it's not just coming from all your grains. We've got, you know, chickpeas in there. We've got carrot in there. But I think, you know, when I say that, it's important that people realize that taste is absolutely our priority. So people who don't like chickpeas and carrot 
don't screw your nose up. Make sure you taste it first because we did so much consumer testing to make sure that it delivers on taste and then also happens to have all this science behind it. So the variety of the grains and not just the grains, but the legumes and the, all of the different plant-based products are in there allow you to deliver the good gut health. Is that it or is there anything magic in there as well? So that's kind of the, the key scientific concept that it was based upon. But then, you know, I think a lot more of the public are, are becoming aware that diversity, plant diversity means good gut health. But we wanted to make sure that we were very unique. Um, so through some of my contacts at King's, where we were looking at some of these prebiotic fibers, um, we were able to exclusively use a type of a, a fiber of prebiotic inulin, a specific type and add that to our granolas. So we were the only ones when we launched in the UK to be able to say that our products were good for your gut and that was backed by European Food Safety Authority regulation. So we were the only ones at that point. The big guys have now since kind of cottoned on, found out what, how we achieved uh, that health claim and are now following suit. Um, but I think that's what's really exciting, you know, and why, you know, I continue to work in the research world because I, I feel very lucky to be at the cutting edge of finding out what new things are coming through, being able to adopt that straight away into food industry with BioME versus wait the 15 or so years that it takes on average for things to translate from, you know, the science to the real world. So, um, yeah. No, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, our listeners who are building their own brands, we always talk about reasons to believe. What are the reasons to believe that underpin your proposition and that allow your consumers to buy into what you're delivering, that you can do that more credibly than any other brand. And Dr. Megan, the fact that you are actually actively researching gut health and you're at the cutting edge of that is one of the purest reasons to believe that there is. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, then please do share it on social media and take a minute or two to write a review on iTunes. It would make a big difference in allowing us to interview even more super guests with great advice that can transform how you do business. So you've then gone into the dairy aisle. What is it about your yogurts? Do you say yogurt in Australia? You say yogurt, do you? My I have learned to pronounce Megan's name Megan because that is the correct Australian way. So I think she should say yogurt, not yogurt. But I've I have failed on this one so far. Megan, <laughs> this is my show and we say yogurt on this show. So that's okay. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that one. So yeah, so we like I said, we started out with the... Um, what I saw as the biggest gap in the market. And, you know, as a, as a new startup business, we know that Ambient's obviously much easier to execute. Um, so we started there and it was really important that we started there. But, you know, I think a real passion point is around the fermented food world. Uh, there is so much science around that, the health benefits of yogurts. But when I went to the supermarkets and looked at products that I recommend for my patients, my clients and, and friends and family, there really wasn't much on the market that I would I would say, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be the best for your gut. So again, I saw that there was a real opportunity there. Um, and with our prebiotic gut-loving yogurts, I think the, the real USP is probably there's three of them. One is that we not only have 18 different types of bacterial cultures, but we've included two, which are two of the world's most clinically studied types of bacteria. So you know, there is hundreds of, of clinical trials behind these two selection of the bacteria. And I think that that is one of the things I'm most proud of because most of the yogurts just add random bacteria in it. They haven't been clinically trialed. So if you go to say a yogurt, and I know you don't probably don't want to name any of the yogurts, but I will. So say Activia that used to talk about gut health and that doesn't anymore. 
what is the difference between the cultures that are mainstream yogurt that positions itself on gut health like that, that they have versus your 18? I mean, is it the numbers, the variety of different strains that makes a difference? I would say for me, the most exciting thing is those two unique ones, which no one else is adding to their yogurts at the moment. Um, so the Lactobacillus rhamnus GG and the Bifidobacterium BB12. Those two is kind of what really excites me because they're the ones with all the clinical evidence. But as an addition to that, the fact that we were able to get in the, the 18 different varieties because we know that diversity, not only in the plant world, but in the bacterial world is also really important. So diversity and the stud cultures. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. A geek question. So those two that have all of the white papers written on them or all the research, what are they proven to achieve? So a lot of the clinical trials have looked at their role in immunity and new immunity health. Um, so again, that's why at the moment with COVID, immunity is on everyone's mind. So that's why it's, you know, for me, even more exciting. So one of the USPs absolutely is the cultures. Um, the other thing is prebiotics. So we've added in, you know, the specific type of inulin, not just any inulin, a specific type um, that allows us to say it's good for your gut and no other products that I'm aware of in the UK is, is also adding in uh, a prebiotic in their yogurt. Um, so we essentially have the live cultures and the prebiotics. So, you know, my PhD looked at the live cultures and the prebiotic. We called it a symbiotic, so a synergistic effect of working together. Um, so that would probably be the second thing. And then the third one is around having no added sugar or no added emulsifiers in it. So these additives, and we've made sure that the sweetness factor is coming from whole fruit. And it's important that we're adding whole fruits and not refined juices because the whole fruits contain all of these plant chemicals which feed the gut bacteria and not just, you know, distilling the sugars out and then jamming them through. Amazing. So can I ask a question, John? Do you ship those internationally? As in to the Isle of Man, yes, we can send you some. Currently, no, we are, we probably shouldn't get on to Brexit, et cetera, here. But um, trying to send short shelf life at the moment, no, we're, we're, we're focusing on the UK. So, you know, I worked with Chobani, the US Greek yogurt, for two or three years, setting them up in the UK and internationally. And that was obviously one of the biggest untold stories in, I think, the European food industry. I don't think that story has ever been told. Right. But that's uh, for, I think, Hamdi to tell it. I have asked him to come on the show and uh, tell that story, but he hasn't answered me yet. But one of the things that I learned there, so we shipped Chobani yogurt over on aeroplanes from the USA. Wow. Yeah. Now, this was pre-Air Miles and this was 2010. Okay. So everyone understood that Air Miles made a massive difference um, to the climate, but we didn't really understand it. We knew it intellectually. So we were shipping over pallets of this on an aeroplane every two weeks. And we were lucky because we had 60 days shelf life from production. So we were able to do that. It was very, very long. And the only reason we could have 60 days shelf life, 56 days shelf life from production was because they had an amazing air filtration system in the factory. Everyone is in hazmat suit. There was just nothing else being introduced into that atmosphere and you get a great shelf life from it. Um, when you bring a chilled product into the market in the UK and it has got no sugar in it and it has got no stabilizers in it, how do you ensure that you can get enough shelf life to make sure that you get enough time to sell your product in the time it's gotten shelf. Magic of bacteria. So we've, we've added specific types of bacteria that actually have been shown to help reduce yeast growth. Uh, that really has extended out our shelf life. Um, but we, we, I mean, we have the naturally occurring sugars from things like the whole mango. So it does have some sweetness factor. Uh, but yeah, essentially that's given us those extra important few days, which John always talks about as, as being essential 
to meeting his benchmark. Every day, with every extra day counts. I was, um, it's funny though, Phoenix, I was going to give a, Vegan's given the, the technical product answer. The, um, I mean, the thing we spent the last five or six months learning about is, is the supply chain logistics, the rate of sale, wastage, et cetera. And I, we started off in cereals for the good reason of it's, it's a perfect way to do Megan's plant-based diversity. Um, but it is also, as a startup, a, a less risky place to go. We knew when we went into our yogurts in, in May, we had to get that rate of sale straight away because otherwise you do get into shelf life problems. And we've been, I don't know if lucky is the right word, two, two things have happened. One of which is our rate of sale has been really, you know, way above what anybody thought it would be, which is wonderful. Okay, that's great. So what's your price? Can I ask you about price? What's your price per unit on shelf? One of these, 350 grams is £1.80. Uh, £1.20 went on, on promotion. So we are premium, but not what I would call bonkers premium. What are you, 20% more than your nearest competitor? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and you know, which is more than justified by the unique ingredients that Megan's put in. So so that rate of sale is, is so important. The other of which is, is just the relationship with the retailers. I mean, I can probably be public because we're just in one supermarket with our yogurts, which is um, Sainsbury's. You know, they have been so supportive on that supply chain side. I mean, the reason I was late for this, um, this call was I was talking to the supply chain manager in Sainsbury's and they have just really guided us through it. And it's put all that together and we seem to have a, a winning proposition there. The, the better ingredients that Megan's used, you know, with a shelf life that, that matches the rate of sale. Now, it's really important that I think lots of founders mightn't actually realise that are scaling businesses or even young people working for scaling businesses, how important it is to stay close, not only to your buyer, but also to the supply chain manager in your retailer of your category, isn't it? Make friends with them, be on the phone to them, make sure that everything's doing okay, check up on your stats. They know your face, they know your voice, and they're going to be a little bit more lenient with you if things go wrong. It's one of the things I think I, I've learned, you know, I you know, Again, like not just Nestle, but every every large company, you you're, you're in a function, um, and you're an expert in your function. And there's a sort of a, a Chinese wall between the next function. So, I never got to learn about supply chain. Actually, in a in a funny way, I've loved learning about it. You know, it is it's fascinating. And absolutely, I you know, buyers are important, finance people are important, supply chain's important. You you know, the closer you, it goes maybe it goes back to that bit about a startup versus big company is. We'll, we'll care enough to want to get to know that person because it just it just matters. Um, you know, if, if something goes wrong at that last second, we our case doesn't arrive in time. You know, we're the ones who pay the penalty. So we just have to find a way to make sure that doesn't happen. You're also the one plugging into your P&L how much it costs to deliver one pallet load, how much the case cost is if you've got a full pallet versus if you've got a half a pallet or a full truckload. And you also know you're plugging into your PL what your wastage agreement is with that retailer if you've actually had to agree a wastage fee or impact on your own gross margin. And I think unless you've done all of that, you know that Johari window, you don't know what you don't know. All I knew enough before we saw, which was to be paranoid about wastage. All I talked to Megan about, like wastage, 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 all these different kinds of production wastage, in-store wastage, etc., the thing that probably gives me the most joy since May is we have not had a wastage problem. You know, there's been the odd odd instance, of course, but but overall, our wastage is tiny. And that is, I mean, I cannot tell you the joy it tells me to say that. That's amazing. Well done, you guys. So look, 
the science. So we're talking about, we've said that basically Biome is sitting in cereals and it's sitting in chilled at the moment. Have you got an innovation pipeline in both of those categories? Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, obviously, we don't want to reveal completely all of our secrets. On the other hand, you know, I think there are some very obvious moves for us to make, you know, on porridges, for example, we're in big um, cartons, we should be in pots and sachets. So, you know, you probably won't be completely surprised if you see some movements there and on our yogurts and in the chiller, there are some other very obvious places for us to, to innovate. Breakfast drinks. You've always loved a good breakfast drink, John. I have. That's very true. <laughs> I just had one, actually. Homemade breakfast drink. I was looking at that. I wanted to know what ingredients, how many plant points you had in there. I'll tell you what was in there. Well, a plant points, I haven't. There was a cacao collagen powder made with marine collagen from Just Be, which is one of the brands on my growth strategy program at the moment. Check it out. J-U-S-P-Y, everybody. Amazing brand. You can buy it on Amazon. Then there was a banana. There was soy milk. That's a plant, I suppose. And what else was there? Yogurt. And I put it in the blender and that was my breakfast on the go. Okay, so you're going to have an innovation pipeline across those two categories. Any other categories? Yeah, a big concept that we're seeing coming through around gut health is around personalization. So uh, we, we are definitely looking at that area because every single person's gut bacteria is different. Even identical twins have different gut bacteria. So it's a really important thing that we start to consider around that personalization element. And at Biome, we definitely want to lead in that space. How do you personalize on a mass market basis? I mean, is it about choosing groups of homogenous people with homogenous biomes? Yeah. So looking at, I guess, the different profiles around their gut microbiome and knowing how they respond to, to foods differently in terms of gut sensitivity. Okay. So it's about profiling. Yeah. So it's mass personalization. Exactly. Okay. Great. I like that. I like that. Um, I could do a little click online thing to find out my own gut biome typeology and then pick my product as a on that basis. That would be nice. She can work yeah. for us. Yeah, we'll, right we'll, there. we'll write that one down. <laughs> you know what? Come do the growth strategy program. You get all this stuff for free. <laughs> John, sign us up, John. <laughs> well, you're already signed up, aren't you, John? With September, October, I forget. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be September, October starts next week for six weeks, but you can always come on October, November if you want. Let's do that. Okay, great. It'd be really good to have you both on. So look, the last thing I'd love to talk to you about, because I know I've had you on for ages now, but I could actually talk to you all day, is... You guys are based in different parts of the country. How do you make that work? And where are you going to grow your team? And what does your team look like now? And I'm always getting people requesting, here's my CV. I'm looking for a job. Are you looking for people? Ah, well, nice. Yes, we are. Okay. Right now we're looking for a but a brand exec role we're practically advertising for. Then we're going to be looking for two uh, sales roles and after that, a social media role. So anybody who's interested in those sorts of things, please, um, genuinely, please send us in. Even if it's not next week, then, you know, next month kind of thing. That would be terrific. I mean, it's interesting because I think Megan and I have never spoken about this, but I think when we had our coffee two years ago at Food Matters Live, if we had said, hey, let's start a company together, and then after six months not see each other for an entire year, I mean, you would have just gone, you know, don't be, don't be daft. But, you know, it's been, the, the pandemic has been amazing for us in some ways in that we just got it, we got into Waitrose four weeks before the pandemic hit. So on the one hand, we were really lucky. On the other hand, other listings got delayed. But I think, you know, the pandemic has shown different ways to work. So Meg and I have, you know, been on Zoom a lot. 
Um, and we're sort of, we're trying half to adopt modern ways. So we have our COO is based in Cambridge. Megan's in, in London. Our, our marketing director was down in, um, in Poole in Dorset. Um, on the other hand, I think we have a yearning to create a hub uh, because we would like to bring um, younger talent in, um, certainly younger than me. Um, less grey hair would be good. And and that feels like we want to have a, a hub in Chester. Um, now, Chester is lovely. It's only two hours from London. Um, but, you know, it's not. It hasn't got a population of 14 million. It's got 100,000 or whatever it's got. So getting that right balance between having a hub and uh, quality of talent, that's, that's the debate Megan and I are having. Chester's near Manchester, it's near Liverpool, it's got some great universities around there. I'm sure there are loads of graduates who would really relish the chance of not having to move down to London and pay ridiculous amounts for accommodation, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't see why you couldn't do that. And funny enough, we are in the University of Chester right now. That's where they have an innovation centre. And so that's, that's where I am. Okay, so that's really interesting. So big growth plans ahead. I never asked you at the start of this, are you allowed to share with us what kind of size the business is right now in terms of market value sales, run rate even? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I think the nice thing to say is we're bigger than most people think we are because until now we haven't done kind of um, the proactive business PR. I mean, if if you think about, we've got our cereals in Waitrose, we've got our cereals and our yogurts in in Sainsbury's and we have a lot of other um, accounts, the, the really important, the whole foods, the planet organics, etc. But if you add that up, you're going to be, you know, I mean, the brands that are in those fund distributions are one, two, three million kind of revenue. And, you know, so we're in that bracket. You're not an Amazon? Um, absolutely. Yeah. We're in Booths. And I, I'm appallingly going to forget somebody. Oh, well, the exciting news for us recently is we just launched onto Ocado. And we love this whole, like, um, different demographics. But with Megan having her 300,000 followers, that whole digital world is really important. So Amazon and our own website, but Ocado, yeah, we've just got off to a really good start in Ocado as well, which is exciting. That's amazing. Look, I'm so excited for you guys. I think you've built a really beautiful brand. I mean, I love the brand aesthetic. The platform sounds really exciting. I'd love to hear more about the science. I know that most people wouldn't, but personally I would. I recommended to someone recently to have a little button on the bottom of their website page that said, geek out on the science here. So for anyone who actually does want to geek out, it is somewhere. But because so many brands out there pretend that they are based on stuff and you guys actually are, I'd love to find out more about it. I'm really excited for the cross-category scope that you guys have to innovate. I want to put you in touch with someone after the show who is a master fermentation specialist in fermented drinks. And she does kombucha, coconut water, kefir. Anyway, I want to put you in touch with her. And I think you guys are going to be absolutely massive. And it's really lovely to meet you, Megan. Obviously, I know John so well over the years, but it's really lovely to meet you. And I'm so glad you guys have met. What a lovely synergy. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is so exciting. And I think sometimes we've moved so fast, we don't really stop and actually reflect how far we've come and, you know, how, how much growth potential there is. So um, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll be back on your podcast and we'll have some more exciting news to share. Not even in a couple of years. Come back in a year. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Why don't you come back next September? And I reckon you're going to be just absolutely, as we'd say back home, sucking diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, this was, I enjoyed this. This is, this is, this was, um, this was, this was more fun than the good old days. 
Yay. Yeah, because I'm not crying. Ah, come on. (laughs) That's just our little joke. He didn't really make me cry, but I used to pretend to him that he did. All right. Listen, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. See you soon. Um, Have great days and we'll say goodbye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.